You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Well, Peter Homden is my very special guest today. And some of you will remember that for a number of years, Peter was the minister at the Church of the Good Shepherd over in Poole. Uh, but when did the journey, the faith journey begin for you, Peter? Well, my, my faith journey uh, began. Oh, hello, everybody. By the way, um, my faith journey begin began many years ago in the sixties. Um, my mother had become a Christian through the witness of the local Gospel Brethren Church in Hamworthy, um, in Lake Road, Lake, Lake Drive, and it. They came in the late 50s, early 60s, did a, a door-to-door. She was a uh, witness to, and she started to go along to the fellowship there, and uh, she became a Christian. And so I automatically and my brother went along to the various children's and youth groups there. Did all uh, the courses and all that sort of thing? Yeah, she did. She did the Emmaus course. And uh, bef- when she died, uh, uh, we find the booklets that she used and things like that. It was really lovely. And every, every night, even to a into her 90s she used to sit and read her and sing her golden bells choruses to sleep <laughs> it was just a joy she she really uh, found the lord and it was through her witness really and uh that uh, i eventually um found the lord uh, by going to church but in 1967 we had a flood in ham we lived in the prefabs um underneath the arch there going up to rockley opposite the yachtsman pub and uh, we had a, a flood, so we had to move from there to Parksland, and we moved up to the Bourne Estate. And uh, we went to the local Brethren, uh, Brethren Church, but actually a friend at school uh, I, I met, lived down the road, uh, joined the, uh, belonged to the campaigners at the Good Shepherd. And it was through the campaigners in the early 70s, away on a camp, that I found the Lord. And, well, the Lord found me, of course, but uh, uh, it links into the first couple of songs, really, um, of how I found the Lord through the ministry uh, from the scriptures. Uh, so was, was music sort of always one of your passions? I mean, you've, you've got a fantastic and eclectic taste of music, as we want to find out yeah. today. But yeah. Uh, yeah. was music always a, very much a part of your spiritual development? It, it, it was. It was. It, uh, yes, I mean, uh, the songs, the, the old-fashioned chorus, as you think at church and also the I was a, a child of the uh, late 50s into the 60s so all of the pop music of the 60s was there in, in within my narrative so yeah I expect of anybody, I'm 67 now, so there there will be a number of people out there that will know um, uh, will will know that era very very well. And so I was brought up with the the Beatles, the Who, all sorts of different groups, you name them, and uh, they were a part of that sort of narrative of the 60s um, there. So uh, even today uh, on Facebook, there's lots of these different things that are sent about uh, the charts of 1963 or whatever, <laughs> and you go down them, and you uh, all those different songs are there. So yes music was a part but uh, in the 70s I got really into a lot of music a lot of prog rock all sorts of stuff um, uh, I went to the Winter Gardens regularly as a young man mm. in the early 70s and uh, saw some of the great great bands that are still out there and uh, uh, only um uh, only this uh, just Christmas time, we went to see Rick Mike Waitman at uh, at the uh, lighthouse. He was doing one of his presentations, reliving your, reliving your early years. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and um, you know, there's a man who who found faith as well. And and uh, so, uh, but yeah, so mad yes fan and all sorts of so so music has always been there um, in the background. Love classical music, absolutely adore a lot of the classics as well. So quite an eclectic mix of music, really. Now your first piece of music that you've chosen is. Larry Norman, and of course is the the track I wish we'd all been ready. Why this one? Well, this was really, really an important track. Um, It was one of the most famous Christian tracks in the early 70s. Um, I think so it came out of that Jesus movement. uh, And uh, have you seen the film? No, I haven't yet. Uh, I know it's, uh, I don't want to advertise, but I saw it was on the Regent, so um, we might get across to see that. But um, uh, there were a number of artists, a number of people of that time that were really affected. And you had Arthur Blessed going around carrying his cross and stuff like this. You know, there were some really interesting um, 
off the wall so to speak stuff going on but Larry Norman's I wish we all been ready is about the second coming uh, about when Jesus talks about uh, some taken and some left you know and so I I became a Christian through the teaching of the second coming oh now, tell us more well it's really interesting um, uh, in the late 60s there were, was an. I won't go too deeply into another uh, organisation, but there, were, there was a uh, there was a, a door to organisation that were telling people that, that that Christ was coming back, coming back in 1970 or whatever. A lot of people have speculated, and they have yeah. speculated dates, haven't they? Of course, oh, yeah. the Bible makes it clear that nobody knows. Absolutely, the time. yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. You're right. Was, oh, you, you're right. And and uh, but but as a, a an imp- quite impressionable as a young lad and. This really, to use a, a term, maybe not the right terminology, but spooked me. I knew that if Christ came back, I wasn't going to be ready. And in, uh, in 1974, away at a camp in Weymouth, in Radipole, Weymouth, um, uh, a, a lady got up to speak, and she wasn't no Billy Graham preacher. She was just a, an ordinary youth leader. Mm-hmm. And she talked about Christ coming back. And as many were witness, quite often, uh, when you're in that situation, you you feel it's just you being spoken to. Nobody else in the room. And the pressure and the, and the, the power of the Holy Spirit just comes upon you. And, and I, I just knew I wasn't ready. And... Uh, and that night, I, I gave my life to the Lord, and um, and so did a number of other young men and young ladies. And the Spirit of God came right through that camp at Radipole, Radipole Manor, and the rest is history, really. And um, so that's why Larry Norman's song "I Wish We Were Ready" a really, really important song to me. Um, and I got the album, and I still have that album. And he was, yeah, a, a very, very good mu- musician, and. Uh, but his uh, lyrics are fantastic. the great Larry Norman song I wish we'd all been ready uh, and indeed it's interesting how people have always and, and indeed still are uh, they've been speculating about when the second coming w- will be as you said that the early disciples thought it was very imminent didn't they? Yes they did yes and I mean certainly uh, one of the parts of within the book of Acts and onwards um, people just lived in the last days I mean Peter talked didn't he in the sermon from Joel in the last days yes, uh, yeah. and, and so um, yeah, yeah it was very imminent and therefore when Paul wrote to the Thessalonians who was trying to deal with some of the issues issues of Christians dying and uh, what was happening and would they be resurrected and all, all sorts of things that were going on but that they they lived in the last days and they saw that the preaching of the gospel was an imminent thing for people's lives and and as, Je- as you said earlier Jesus said uh, you know no one knows the time or the date and the thing is I wish we all be ready, as Larry Norman said, that yeah. our lives should be living in the gospel, uh, and we just pray for all those that um, uh, that need to know Christ. Really, yeah. I suppose, as you rightly said, we should all be living living in the last days, shouldn't we? That uh, because I mean, it's yeah. like the, the virgins and their lamps, you know, having yeah. the having the oil in the lamps and so on, and being ready. That's right. As that parable that Jesus told says, yeah, but uh, the bridegroom coming, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So there you were, a young man. You 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 give your life to Christ at at that yeah. camp. Like I guess you you really were underlying in ink what you to some degree done in pencil as a young child with your mother. Yes, yes. Yeah. So how did life then take you after that? Well, it was that there was one really interesting thing I'd like to say just before I move on to that. I will answer your question. Is that I remember going home from uh, from the camp and my father was decorating the bedroom. And I remember this vividly. He was put wallpaper on the wall. And my father was a big sort of physical physical man. He was a boxer, all sorts of things. And uh, and a butcher, butcher in Parkstone for 40 years. And I went up to him and I said, Dad, I've given my life to the Lord. And he said to me, 
And I remembered I said we've paced him with a paste brush. Five minute wonder. Five minute wonder. <laughs> well, in a more broad uh, uh, Dorset accent, more like, oh, five minute wonder. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, uh, and uh, I had the privilege of being by his bedside when he was dying and he waited for me. And that was a privilege to hold his hand and pray peace upon him. And um, he, he waited for me. So um, it was it was a really very distinct moment in my walk and um, one of the people he worked with became a Christian and said to me that he was so proud of what happened in my life mm. and, and did he ever become a Christian himself that well, you know I, of? I, I, well it's always difficult to know having been, as been a minister been by many people's deaths and, and been by their bedside that mm. you pray and you ask the questions and, and, and um, uh, I, I, I just Hope, trust the Lord really that he was like the thief on the cross really <laughs> and not that he was a thief but you know what I mean it was it, that no, that, I know last exactly minute, what, that last uh, moment uh, of and redemption. of course we, we, we don't know what we happens know. to people particularly in those final moments of their lives God, yeah. God is a gracious God and um, he knows the hearts of people doesn't he anyway yeah so what happened was is that uh, I went back to the church went back to church life got very involved in campaigners youth groups became one of the youngest members ever on the PCC uh, at St John's the Good Shepherd and then as my journey went on for the last um, four, those four years to 1978 uh, from 74, 78, I really felt the call for a long time of going into some form of full-time work. Uh, we used to have the London City Mission. Uh, Bournemouth was a great centre for the London City Mission. You used to come, Bournemouth Paul, come to all the churches on deputation and whatever. So each year I'd hear all these stories of going out into the communities in London. Of course, our area was used to be a Bible belt, didn't it? Oh, I mean, yes. Sadly, I guess you can't say the same about it now, but, but of course there were some of the great teaching yeah. centres were here yes. locally and so yes. on. Yes. It was a different time, wasn't it? It was a different You're absolutely right. And I was only talking to this at a minister's meeting uh, uh, a couple of months ago uh, about the, the various, certainly in the... The, the Anglican Church in Paul and whatever, where Paul Deanery does have a strong presence of Bible-believing churches. Uh, and and uh, I was explaining that that, that her heritage there that was there, but sadly there's been a dissipation of that, hasn't there, across the conurbation. Time to open up the ancient wells, isn't it? Yes, it is time to open up and uh, to get back to, to the words, so to speak. Yes, so the London City Mission came and different times, so... I also explored the open air mission as well, um, but that wasn't a route that uh, was open to me. And uh, so I applied to the London City Mission's Voluntary Evangelist Scheme, and in 1978 I got in, uh, and I went all, all the way um, uh, to London in the, in the late uh, 78, really. And that was just, that blew my mind. It opened my eyes to, to life, opened my eyes to all sorts of various things, you know. And I had a first experience of working in the church in Bermondsey, just the other side of Tower Bridge. That's a tough area. Oh, Bermondsey yeah. was. Yeah, the youth hostel we lived in, the Christian youth hostel, was a, a, a an old evangelical mission on the corner of old Jamaica Street. This is a, I hope everybody enjoys this story. Um, but the, the, the next door was a pub called the Lilliput Arms and it was a big boxing fraternity pub and all the limos used to come the guys with the bent noses next door and and having but my father being a boxer it was quite mm. fascinating and it was run by a very very famous boxer who i won't mention the name he was a very famous retired boxer and we were in this corner absolutely scared stiff <laughs> of, of this community in Birmingham. Mm. Birmingham was very famous for his boxing so i there i was this in this whole amazing but next door was the Cambridge University mission and where I heard the canon Sutton speak one day who was a great uh, gospel preacher Appreciate yeah it. and and so there I was and I was put in a church at St Mary Magdalene in Bermondsey and the vicar there had had a conversion experience in Africa Pentecostal experience and uh, my, my one of the first experiences was a Trevor Deering ministry wow. mission 
So you had a baptism of, of fire and a very oh, it real was sense. yes yeah. yes yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, still have extremely strong co- uh, um, conservative evangelical roots, but there, my mind was open up to all sorts of different things, and 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 uh, yeah. So there we were in the middle of uh, uh, Bermondsey with the big tower blocks. Uh, and um, the door-to-door and youth work, children's work. Well, let's have your next piece of music, which comes from Barry Maguire. Now, again, there's a story behind this, isn't there? Yes. Well, um, when I became a Christian, um, uh, the, the people on the camp, we met some youngsters from London from the camp, from Enfield, and they got in touch with us and said, this guy, Barry Maguire, is coming to speak in London. And I'd heard this name, Barry Maguire, and, and I, the only time I'd heard of him was the Free Christie Minstrels, Free Wheels on My Wagon. And many of us would know that songs, and I'm still rolling along. The Cherokees are after me and all yeah. that, you know. <laughs> and uh, he was a great friend of the mamas and papas, that Jesus... That that um, that group of uh, the hippie sort of sound, uh, the, uh, very much in the Jesus sound. movement. Type. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and uh, he was coming to speak in London, and it was in uh, it was in a, a church building in Regent Street. So we got tickets for this, and to see this icon of of of, of, of music, you know, of the late sixties of the hippie movement, speak and play. But he had a very famous song called "The Eve of Destruction," which he, he sang in the late sixties. But he twisted it a little bit and, and made it into a much more warning sign which links into Barry Norman's one about the state of America and the state of the world in the early 70s now the state of the world in the early 70s is still very much the same state it's in now it's evolved in some ways mm-hmm. people were talking about pollution then weren't they and all sorts of things and we're still talking about it we're still talking about the way the environment is and there was big warnings doomsday warnings then so this evil destruction really links into my conversion story but to hear this great man sing it live and the passion that he had for Jesus this big bearded bear of a man <laughs> you know what a warm and just these stories about um, his life in, in, in that scene in the late 60s always stuck with me and Lighten Up album was a great album The Eastern world It is exploding Violence flaring Bullets loading You're old enough to kill But not for voting You don't believe in war But what's that gun you're toting And even the Jordan River Has bodies Well my very special Guest today was the minister of the Church of the Good Shepherd over in Poole and uh, he's been sharing his, his life story with us. I think we left you in Bermondsey yes. uh, and uh, where you were cutting your teeth I think it was and, it was. and hearing some brilliant theology and teaching uh, from Trevor Deering of course that uh, you, you you mentioned. What, what sort of an impact did he have on you? Well it was really interesting. I think that uh, there was this a man that was doing some incredible ministry in North London, um, Haynaught, I think, or somewhere like that, and um, churching a minister. And uh, I, 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 I was invited by the, the vicar I was working with to have tea and a meal with him, and uh, he was doing this mission for, for the church over a long weekend. And it was fascinating because he was the most timid, calm unassuming man that's almost like um, a, a cartoon image of a vicar <laughs> you know that that the, the sort of um yeah you know, sort of a dad's army or whatever you know that yep. sort of image that people have of vicars uh, 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 the old comic uh, certainly in in musical and that and uh, so they had this service and he got up to preach and this man was just taken over by the spirit of god he transformed it transformed it it, it was just amazing and um yeah and i i learned a lot about the holistic ministry of the holy spirit of word and uh, word and spirit you know and that that was great and also at the london city mission um uh, rt kendall had just joined at Westminster Chapel 
and uh, I eventually went on from a voluntary worker after about two-ish years into a full-time, uh, into a paid miss- missionary role. Uh, and um, Artie Kendall used to come and teach us and speak to us. It was uh, what a what a great to be under his ministry. And, uh, and of course, he was very keen on these two strands, wasn't he? Was. Of the word and the and the spirit. Yes. In fact, I have interviewed him on a number of occasions, and yes. again another. He's very, still going. <laughs> well, he's he's in the follow state. him on Twitter. Yeah, he yeah. he used to come over to London quite yes. you know for three months at a time, and he loves his fishing, of course. Yeah. But also very. Uh, 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 unassuming oh, man. wonderful man. But a wonderful Bible teacher. Well, yeah. of course, with you having your brethren background, you would have had lots of the Word. Yes. And so on. And, 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 and Church and of England then, as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Church of England. Of course, one of the lovely things about the Church of England is that it represents so many different types of church. church yeah. It's a broad, very broad church indeed. Yeah. But obviously you were learning about the clearly the importance of Scripture and the Word, yes. but also the importance yeah. of the power and work of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, and you're quite right. And uh, you know, um, I went to work for my first role in a place called Wandsworth, um, not the prison, though I did visit there occasionally. <laughs> um, I went to work in Wandsworth, two churches, Holy Trinity and All Saints, Wandsworth, fantastic area. Another big, um, uh, dep- a lot of it's de- deprived, but um, yeah. it's began now to become one of those regenerated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was. That was exciting. And then I moved into a thing called the Mobile Evangelistic Unit, which was the most amazing work. Um, been doing some bits of other stuff as well, linked to that before. But um, this was going around doing missions in churches, speaking at different events, running missions, open air events, going up to the West End, the sketchboard every weekend with open air campaigners. And uh, uh, it was just an incredible freedom that one had then to stand on street corners and set up a board with a group of young people that you were training and, and just share the gospel. I'm just so thankful for those experiences of, of being able to just preach the word in the open air. Now there's a very, very good Artie Kendall story I have for you. Um, we had a very big mission in, I can't remember what it was called in Trafalgar Square and a number of top um, uh, top uh, well-known ministers and preachers were there, uh, big crowds of people but we were there at the London City Mission with our van right by the, one of the big Lancia Lions there uh, and uh, we were doing some handing out tracks and doing some sketchbook work as well. Artie Kendall preached and his lovely American droll coming across the big speakers <laughs> of Trafalgar Square. And afterwards, he came down, come off the platform, came across to our van. He goes, young man, give me some tracks. Uh. And I, I absolutely adore that man ever since. Mm. He wasn't just up there. He came out into the crowd. And he went out and gave ministry and tracks. He told me, you know, you know, that at Westminster Chapel, he used to step into the pulpit and he would say, pray, is it today, Lord? And what he meant by that was it was a powerful visitation, revival, if you like, yes. a touch of the Holy Spirit. And he stepped into his pulpit every day in Westminster Chapel, that fantastic yes. uh, <coughs> teaching centre, and yes. would say, is it today, Lord? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting. He wrote a fantastic book at the time, which really, really impacted upon me. And that was his, book, his commentary on Jonah. I've still got it, still got a copy of it. And it's fantastic. And he, he likens uh, j- uh, the church, like Jonah, asleep in the boat. Mm. And yeah. it's when he got up and said, Jonah, I'm a Hebrew. That's when it, the trouble started, and that's when the revival started eventually through the, the big fish and onto the beach and into Nineveh. And I remember sometime oh, in the 90s, was it? I, he was speaking at a, a big uh, event in, in the Midlands, and I went up with some other ministers. And I sat with him, and I said, do you remember, RT, you know, when you used to come and uh, to the London City Mission? You remember I used to do work on the, on the mobile unit and whatever? And I said, you wrote in your book about the church being asleep in the boat then in the late 70s, early 80s. Where is the church now? This was in the 90s. He says, man, he's alive. We, we'll wake it up. <laughs> 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 and and oh, what a great uh, Artie Kendall. I, I just, uh, he, he is. Um, and of course, he, he is a 
prolific author. He's written oh. many, many books. Oh, and of his course, one on forgiveness is superb as well on Joseph. And Fantastic. you can listen, of course, to his <laughs> teaching on the internet. If you if you Google R. T. Kendall, yeah. uh, you'll get some fabulous Bible teaching yeah. uh, and 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 passion with it. Yes, and a very yeah. firm belief, of course, in revival yeah. uh, and uh, in the, the word and the spirit coming together. Yes, yes. He, he you know, he, he's a bit like the old-fashioned uh, Billy Bray, who was a, a Cornish, wasn't he, a Cornish evangelist? Yes. He? And somebody said to him once, you know, he, 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 no, he, he said, "What's your secret?" He said, it, "Here he says that somebody put me in a barrel and Which locked me glory in through it. the bunghole." Oh, yeah, and, <laughs> and that's a, that's R.T. Kendall, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you had some very, very. You know, formative people or people who were formative in your life and in yes. your theology and so yes, on. Yes. And I guess that 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 stood you in good stead going forward. Oh yes, yes. I mean, various people, various people, and um, uh, the folk at the Church of the Good Shepherd, which maybe I'll come back a little bit on a little later um, uh, about how I ended up being the minister of the church I grew up in, which is unusual but uh, very unique in, in mm. lots of ways as well. Um, of the Spirit of God, but uh, yeah, there, there have been a number of people, but certainly folk like that were, were, were you know, the, these these pillars, you know, um, uh, going to churches like All Souls and Holy Trinity Brompton and and St Helen's Bishopgate. I had that lovely mixture of uh, of evangelical theology but a broad version of it as well you know a broad version of of how one applies the word you know from the solid meat even to the even to the metropolitan tabernacle of mr masters you know from one extreme right across you know um that it, it, it was that was a time for i i i all all people have eras but that was a blessed time of ministry in london uh, of various things going on which you could get involved in but the street work in the west end was just the time of the punk uh, the the growing of punk moving into that new wave movement and and um and the new romantics and all that you see all these young people and different garbs and whatever just some of them so lost that needed jesus you know yeah i mean of course i mean i guess that that today that's the situation that we find ourselves in today there is still a great hunger isn't there i mean people it seems to me that whilst of course the, the church is always a mixture of of i guess there are some churches that are packed to the gunnels there are other churches that are the opposite unfortunately yes, yes. but i mean but nevertheless um, it's all about him isn't it? it's all about jesus it and is, about yes, what what he does but i but i guess that that did you find in your day, and I'd be interested to know your views now, do, do you feel that that hunger and thirst for the truth, you know, for uh, not just for talk, but for the life-giving power that we know the gospel is all about? Do, yes. Do you think that that's as pertinent today as it was really whenever you were on those streets in London? Yes, I think, don't forget, that was 40-whatever years ago, where there was still within some people's psyche an understanding of God, understanding of the old Bible verse or two that they knew from uh, from some went to school where they still had assembly, some went to uh, the church. There was a to church. basic knowledge yeah, of Christian there, there, things. But yeah. now the hunger's still there, but they don't know where to turn where where there was that sense where you know um there you know there are lots of people hungry for stuff a lot of people very fearful there's a lot of fear in our society post covid isn't there it's funny you know i'm preparing a a program with a friend of mine who actually uh, he works in an organization that monitors near-death experiences oh yes yeah and one of the things that (coughs) that we have been talking about actually we do these zoom calls and we're going to be doing a program very soon you know people who have near-death experiences that well first of all they don't they find it quite difficult to talk about the experience that they've had but many of them when they go to church peter they are rejected uh at the very place where you would think yeah and do you know that if you look across the world, there is absolutely no Christian universities, institutions that are researching into these experiences. They're all secular. And yet there are increasing numbers who are very having very, very profound 
experiences. And one of the things that the program that I'm working yeah. on at the moment is, well, why is that? Why, yes. why is that? Uh, uh, because the... The gospel truth is the gospel truth. Yes, yes. And, and, and of course, I think that people are very interested in death and they're very interested in, in heaven. Some people are frightened of it. Yes. Uh, but actually, uh, uh, I was just astounded that, that here we have very large numbers of people who are seeking. Yes. Uh, uh, and they're seeking to make sense yes. of. Many of them, by the way, do become Christians. I actually the, it, I was, I heard about one guy who was a Buddhist and uh, he uh, he turned to Buddhism after his near death experience. Wow! But he's now turned back to Christ, but not to the church, which is interesting. And the, 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 there's a reason why he's turned his back on Buddhism and has turned towards his towards the Christian faith. And he said there were three L's. Uh, one was the light, the life giving light yes. that he experienced in his yes. his journey. The other was the liquid love that he felt in the presence of Jesus. Mm, and, the, and the third was the power for life. Yes. You know, so light and love and life. And, and that turned that man, this, this was his experience in, in heaven. And the memory of that turned him back to Christ. Wonderful. That's wonderful. amazing. That's and, amazing. And, and, but Great story. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a sounding thing that, yeah. that Christians are frightened of it. Well, yeah, I, I think that the privilege that um, people that are called into ministry have at times is, and it's a very humbling privilege, is being uh, by someone's bedside when they're dying. Mm. And you uh, said, or said earlier on you've done for, a lot of that. Yes, I've done well, a, 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 fair, a number of people, of course, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that it, is a, it, is a, it is a privilege. It, it is a privilege, and, and you, you, you deal with it uh, as as much as you're able to, in the sense, and you you're praying all the time of the right words to say. And what what was fantastic about? I remember one occasion, which probably links into what you're saying, is there was a lady who was a missionary, and she'd had a major heart attack. And I went to see her, and she was in Bournemouth Hospital, and in one of those glass rooms where you have to wear all the gear and isolation, and, yeah, isolation, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, the family were gathered, and I always, well, always, I often use Psalm 121 in these situations. They protect their going out and they're coming in from this day forward, you know. And there's lots of watching and protection in that, isn't there? Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and this lady was so ill that she had no energy. She was, I mean, she was dying, you know. Yeah. And we read, and, and I read the Psalm and then prayed with her, prayed for her. And suddenly, this energy zoomed through her. She sat bolt upright in bed, reaching her arms out. Well, I'm, everybody, I'm putting my arms forward, yes. like to, yes. to hug someone. And, and she sat there, big smile, and went straight back down. Mm. And She's seen something, or someone. Yes, yes. And the Lord came for her. Yeah. And that's all we, you know, as Christians, we trust and have faith that that's what she experienced. Of course, and, your next, your and, next and, piece and, of music sort of underlines that for me to live as Christ, yes. to die as gain. Yeah, absolutely. So just to say about the, that song, um, uh, the, the the original version of this, um, we used to sing a lot at the Good Shepherd because one of the musicians at the Good Shepherd was actually the gentleman that led me to the Lord. And he was a real, what I call a honky-tonk um, pianist. He used to play <laughs> in that revival sort of technician yes. music and uh, Austin was a legend and anyone out there that knew him would know that uh, he was a legend and uh, he, he, he led me to the Lord in his caravan in 1974 and so it, it, but I think of him because it's his music but this song meant a great deal to me in my ministry and my calling moving forward
Well, that's the wilds there with their version of, for, to me, for me to live is Christ. Of course, it was the Apostle Paul who uh, spoke those words. I think they're recorded in Galatians, Peter, aren't they? Yeah, they are indeed, yeah, the early part of Galatians. Yeah. Of course, uh, people, again, we're talking a bit about death there, aren't we, and about you know what follows on afterwards. But, of course, uh, uh, Jesus talked about death not having a sting and yeah. about how at Calvary he made a public display uh, defeating all all of the principalities and powers and so on but but actually for christians to have a fear of death i guess we can fear the way that we might die but there is this absolute assurance isn't there that in the same way that he rose we too will rise yes i when i uh, just first became a christian i was um working as um uh, working as a, an apprentice electrician and I went on the September to my course down at Constitution Hill in the little college there and um, I had to do a sort of day release there and uh, the guy that was leading the course said um, hi guys what you've been doing in the summer then so I plucked up the courage and I said um, well I went on a, a camp and I've actually become a Christian I found faith and he looked at me and he sort of smiled and all the guys giggling into their pop. On the, and and, <laughs> and uh, he, he said, Peter, he said, I'm going to say this in front of you guys. He said, he said, Christians die well. Mm. I suppose that links back to what I was saying about this lady. Um, now, not every Christian is going to have a, a very peaceful end. Um, we, we're in a, a broken and fallen world and we're going to get ill, we're going to get uh, hurt, we're going to get uh, run over, all sorts of things that, that will cause our demise. But uh, ultimately, as you say, that there, there is that assurance. You know, this is a funny thing, Peter, but some of the best parties I have been to have been funerals, including two just recently. Yeah. Uh, and the party being, uh, obviously, the sadness of saying goodbye to the one who's gone, but the party with the absolute assurance of knowing that they're with yeah. Jesus and in heaven. Uh, that is that is our hope. That yeah. That's what the gospel ultimately is all about, is yeah. to be with him yes. forever. Yes. No, no more sickness, no more pain. And I, I think believing that and knowing that somebody uh, has made that transition to their... Mm. I think a salvationist would say promoted to glory. <laughs> yes. uh, I love that term, you know, the, in the Salvation Army. But it's true, of course, yeah. and it's either true or it's not. And if it's true, then it's something to rejoice about. Yes. There's that other great revivalist hymn, isn't it? This world is not my home, I'm just a traveling yes, through. Yeah, yeah. Heaven is my home, what more shall I do? Amen. You know? Amen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you've got walking in Memphis. I'm, I'm quite curious to know yeah. how, how this fits into your well, story. Well, I, I, I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll um, I'll, I'll talk about that in, 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 yes in a moment but just to, to say the, the whole thing around you asked me earlier about uh, my my uh, issues with men, uh, dodgy vulnerable mental health of course when, how did that sort of um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, first I, happened well I had my first bite of it when I was in Wandsworth working at the church in Wandsworth. I was living on my own. I was working all hours. I just felt I had to push and push. You were and doing push too much. I was doing too much, and I had to take about a couple of months off. Um, and I was very, very low. Then in 1992, I had a, another bite when I was in secular work. Um, I worked for the Prudential for a number of years. Um, oh, the man from the Prue. The man from the Prue. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funniest thing about that was when when my time at London Station Mission began to become something that I felt was right to move on from, which there was a very difficult and hard decision, um, I, I, I wondered what could I do? A friend of mine who had joined the London City Mission used to work for the Prudential, and he said to me, I, I could get you a job, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, anyway, once I was preaching outside of St. Martin's in the field with my sketchboard, and it was a strange morning because anybody who's our age uh, 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 will know that there was a guy called Lord Longford. Oh, yes. Very wispy-haired uh, judge, a uh, great barrister, but he, he was, a, uh, I believe, he, he was a Christian, and he was um, very into the morals of society, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Yes. And he walked past and 
nodded at me and then after i'd finished this talk this guy came up to me and he said to me he says he says young man he says if you want a job come and see me when you finish this and i looked at his card insurance broker (laughs) (laughs) confirmation i said well i'm more into assurance than insurance but anyway (laughs) um anyway so i ended up working for prudential and in the early 90s i had another mini uh breakdown and well it was yeah it was a, a sort of a largest one and then in the in the middle 90s i had a major one where i was off for about nearly a year and a half i was very very ill um was on prozac and all sorts of things and i think it was then that um the prudential were fantastic i had harley street physicians and and people looking after me lots of counseling and all sorts of things and i think that that was to do with um a cycle within my biology whatever whatever the the, the physiology and my mind and then i had to retire as you will know last year i had to retire for ill health um because of another breakdown just after covid of course that was a very difficult time it was a difficult time and i really worked my socks out and and because i was at the church that i was brought up in i felt i suppose i've done some lot of deep thinking about this is i felt i owed them something because this church that rescued me that that had helped me in my spiritual walk and i'd actually buried 12 people they were dead by the way everyone i i i I, I actually buried and took funerals of all of those dear folk that meant so much to me from a young boy and child Mm. and that took its toll on me you know, one after another, after another, after another. These people that paid for me to be a London City missionary and things like this. And so, but it all sort of fed into this whole thing. And I was in, uh, if I hadn't had my uh, faith, but also more importantly, my dear wife, Yvonne, who has been a brick through all of this. Um, uh, Yeah, so I I was properly signed off and I, I had to, they felt my capacities were were shot. I still have that desire for the gospel. I still do some preaching and teaching, but I was just so absorbed in the pastoral miseries of people and what have you, which is important. But I suppose that people don't often realise that, you know, that ministers, those in of us involved in any form of ministry yeah. we have to deal with so many so much hurt and yes. pain what you're exactly what you're talking about yes. uh, and of course it's inevitable that that is going to take its toll on us as yes. well and i guess uh, i don't know whether you've talked with people in the good shepherd since but they probably saw in you uh, that you needed to stop and you oh, needed yes, to rest yes 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 and and um y- you're right i mean i i I became the minister at the Good Shepherd. I, I first uh, was uh, I was asked to, to go back, um, and I needed to find it. When I went to Moorlands, I needed to find a church, and we were living locally. And the vicar, then Vicar of St John's, said to me, "Oh, yeah, you, yeah, come back to the Good Shepherd, and you can do some work at the Good Shepherd." Um, and uh, uh, that was a, a real privilege. But then through the way the ministry developed i became the evangelist and then um the community evangelist and then i trained to be a pioneer priest which is like an evangelist priest in the church of england and then through circumstances um i ended up becoming the min the bishop made me the minister of the church yeah which was the most immense privilege but actually the most incredibly weight of responsibility mm. for someone that had such a DNA in the church. Yeah, that that my life and my uh, you know I was I was burying people and and visiting people sick who I went to school with. Yeah. in the community too too close and yeah and then and then to be i i then became the chaplain of the uh, what was St Albans Academy and for a number of years and i was working part-time in there and that was fantastic and i saw the old school that i went to being knocked down and this new building being built so it, it's in it's it's a really fascinating story of 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 how i came back to the area and god did sustain god did sustain but 
um, I think there, there was just so much going on inside of me if trying there, to deal with all this. If there's someone listening to us right now who maybe is going through depression, going yeah. through mental challenges, Peter, dipping into your experience, mm. what would you be saying to them in terms of, of yeah. how, they, how they should look after themselves and, yes. and also seeking the appropriate help that, yes. that they clearly need? I, I'm passionate about this. Um, um, I'm passionate in the sense that I think that historically, and there's a lot of studies in this, that men tend to be more defensive, tend to want to cage it off, and uh, anger and all sorts of other things come out, and, and, and uh, all sorts of things that can go on to abuse and things like this. Yes, you know? and, yeah. and so um, I, I think that it's about being honest with oneself. And Which, of course, can be quite hard. Yes, it? yes. I, I, I knew I was going through my second big one because I, I wanted to keep walking. I went out for a walk and I kept walking and walking and then I stood on the street corner in Parkstone and I just froze and I started to weep and it was just by the miracle of God I got back home. And then um, I got in touch with my doctor who, I have to say, um, it would be unfair to mention his name, but he was uh, immense. Uh, a wonderful man and 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 uh, I, the church of england paid for with funds and all sorts of things 22 sessions of counseling mm. the church of england were absolutely amazing i have to say their pastoral support was great i even wrote when i left i wrote to the archbishop of canterbury thanking um the the for the, the support you received yeah 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 because yeah. mm. i'm sure he gets a lot of dodgy letters um but <laughs> I'm sure but he I, does. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to uh, just uh, say that. Thank you, really. But, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, I still have my bad days. Um, I, I The letter that um, was signed off by the Church of England and by the Pensions Board, um, I still keep just a reminder of the assessment I had from their psychiatrist. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I keep going. Um um, my, I'm not on medication. I, my doctor and the, my counsellor and doctors, they were adamant not to put me on medication because I'm not saying that people shouldn't go on the medication. Please, if you're on medication, don't stop your medication. I'm not saying that at all. Each individual uh, uh, has to yes. follow their own yeah. physicians. But because I was going through such deep counselling about issues that went way, way back, Often medication can neutralise that process. Mm. You know, I think we should play hard grid as our God. Now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a new version. It's called the world version. Yeah. You're going to hear it in many different languages. Yeah. Of course, it is Chris Tomlin. Because yeah. uh, I think... The that, yeah, yeah. Because one of the things... We'll come back to share. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And of course, one of the things that I know that you have felt is, yeah. the, is the ongoing presence of oh, God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even though there's been all that... Yes. And also, you still got that burning desire oh, yeah. for sharing the gospel. Oh yeah, and it, it's it's. I think also what happened to me was is that I was always called to be an evangelist, and I ended up being a pastor. Now there was nothing wrong with that. Needs must. It was. I'm not blaming anybody at all for that, but that always there was always that frustration there as well. Of course. <laughs> Listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. And of course, Peter Homden is my very special guest today. He's just been talking about his challenges with with mental health. And, and I guess one of the things that you said, uh, Peter, wasn't particularly for men, although I guess it's true for all of us, that sometimes it's very, very hard to face up to things and to seek the help that we need. I think the other thing is we, we can get very, very down on ourselves, can't we? Yes. Blame yes. ourselves. I don't know whether you went through that phase or, or not. Yeah, yes, uh, uh, yes, I did. Um, I, I think that uh, it is really, really the most difficult thing is how you explain to someone how you feel inside your head and in your depths of your being mm. and how that impacts upon you emotionally and physically 
and um, I had to uh, do some really big wake-up calls on my lifestyle, who I was, uh, come to terms with, this is me. Um, Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what that thorn in the flesh. We can uh, debate and a number of theologians, scholars and academics have uh, discussed that one uh, over the years. Mm. But um, I, I do feel that this is something that's me. I am this. I'm being, uh, I was reborn and the Spirit of God came in me and one day I'll have a new body and uh, transform. But but you've already got a bit of a new body. Yes, already. I have. Yes, <laughs> some people know me knows I've lost four and a half stone, um, and um, uh, I was I was nicknamed by some some of the community around the Good Shepherd as Reverend Chunk, and um, <laughs> I'm not Reverend Chunk anymore. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I, I I I had type two diabetes as well, which doesn't help the mind. If you've got some a condition, doesn't uh, it? Uh, it doesn't help. And uh, one or two other things. So I had to determine myself. I got back to road cycling a few years ago, and that and walking and the the rhythms of cycling and walking are just wonderful mm. for. Um, and you can think and you feel you're out in the fresh air and and. And uh, yes, so I've conquered type two diabetes. Well done. Um, well done. My, my doctor told me it's very rare he does say that to people, but I'll always be prone to it. But um, he took me off my metformin and other things. So from a physical point of view, I feel really, really well. Um, you know, you won't be able to post me through a letterbox, but I'm <laughs> I am a lot thinner and. Um, and, you know, I can climb hills around here on my bike that I couldn't get up when I was a young person. Mm. So it, 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 it's that is a positive thing. And sometimes lifestyle changes can help. But people, it, it's how you explain inside what's going on. Um, uh, you, know, you know, and it takes really skilled practitioners to unlock that. And I suppose that sometimes many people who are suffering with mental health challenges don't know themselves what's going on. Yes. That that can be quite frightening for yeah. them, can't yes. it? I I my father, the more and more I look back at my father and the way he was with myself and my brother, uh, and the way he was with my mother, uh, knowing his narrative as well, knowing his life story, um he was a depressive. Mm. And so there is that sort of DNA thing with it as well, that inher inherited uh, issues with that. I'm sure, I'm certain of that. So um, yeah, so I, I, I'm, 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 I'm thankful for the the counselling I had and the support I had, because that helped me unlock and deal with some of those things. And there were certain light bulb mom moments in my counselling where I thought, yes, when when the when the counsellor said to me. Peter, why did you just say that? Mm -hmm. And then we unravel it, and, uh, and then there were the light mobile moments, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yes, so... Um, well, let's backtrack to walking in Memphis. Oh, I'm, yes, I'm, yes. Well, th this, this, this is related because I, we all need someone else to walk with us through this. And you've mentioned somebody special. E e even my wife. My, yeah. I, 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 I adore her. Um, she's put up with this whole breakdown thing. She's been immense. She's tried to understand me. She's been frustrated with me, but she hasn't given up on me. She's been absolutely amazing. And when when we got married, um, we had a double wedding with her sister and her brother-in-law, and we went to America. This is 25, 20, uh, yeah, 25 years ago. And... Um, and we went on this uh, grand tour of America. It was just amazing. And we went to Memphis because Yvonne was a great Elvis Presley fan. Mm. And this song means so much to us because the things that Cher mentions in this song, Walking in Memphis, we did. <laughs> we went to Bill. We went to down into the Jungle Room in 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 um, in Gracelands. We we went to the Peabody. Uh, look around the Peabody, and there's a great song line in the song about this prayer meeting, this church, and there was a, a prayer meeting on, and we walked down this street to go to Bill Street, just by the Peabody, and there was. <laughs> Uh, there was the door open, and there was this church meeting. Uh, uh, this uh, this 
a, a black American church meeting and they were singing praises to God and it was the most wonderful moment it was there this uh, pr uh, prayer time and so this song means so much to us it, it, it's a secular song but it's just full of amazing stuff well and, and I suppose we ought to dedicate it to Yvonne shouldn't we yeah we should yeah, yeah. that share walking in Memphis bringing back many happy memories uh, for Peter and indeed for Yvonne and that's especially for you Yvonne and no doubt you remember those special times that you had in, in the States so what, what have been the real stepping stones to where you are today Peter I mean clearly you know you've moved on quite a bit it would have been a big decision for you of course to take early retirement uh, yes, uh, it, it was a big decision. Um, it was indirectly not forced upon me, but it was just the outcome of it all, really. Yeah. My capacities uh, for pastoral work were certainly shot. Um, I, 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 um, today, so if, if um, I'm not saying to anybody, please share with me, talk to me, that's fine, but um, I, I won't get involved in people's lives in that intimate way that I used to have to as a minister. Yes, of yes, of course. And that's really interesting when you look at some of the some uh, people who are called to be evangelists in their ministry, because they never really did that. They 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 cared and, and concerned for people, but it was the sharing of the gospel. It was the sharing of yeah. the gospel, and uh, others that were looking after the, the the ministries and the and dealing with the issues in individuals' lives. So, I I I I'm pleased that that that's been taken away because in the environment of where I was ministering, which I knew so well and I grew up in whatever, that had a different dynamic to it as well. It wasn't just people's lives. It was just this whole community that I loved deeply and, and it, the brokenness of that community and the disenfranchisedness of it was um, really hurt as well. Yeah, so um, what, what's happened is that we, we've... Um, we 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 are we've got a, a bungalow. We live in Rossmore. Um, I still live in the parish. I'm able to live in the parish. And you have some super holidays, don't you? Oh yes, we do have some super holidays. Yeah, yeah. We we have some super holidays. Um, we we went this year. We we went to France because we 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 go to France regularly to, to the chateau amongst to the things. chateau we went to the famous chateau with Dick and Angel Strawbridge and we uh, we got invited there um, we'll go into too many details about how that happened we weren't necessarily privileged but there, there, we, we, there were two days where they had open house and we got one of the tickets for that free to go to that and that was just amazing mm. to see something that you'd watched on telly and through COVID, we wa we we watched all of the series for, since it started, mm. and all the sundry other chateau series. Because we got a friend in France that had bought a, a, an old property and, and and done it up, and, and so we, we've seen them do it. So, but to watch the Strawbridges, and we went there, and they were just so welcoming, so kind, so lovely, and and uh, we had a tour around the house. We had we had drinks out of teacups. Mm. And all the people that were on the TV show, uh, on the TV program, were there. Um, the people that did the building and roofing work were running the car park. <laughs> uh, Steve, the builder, was, and his wife, she was serving drinks. Uh, there were uh, Angel's mother and father there. And the whole thing was absolutely wonderful. Uh, there's, there's, you know, and... It, they were just such lovely, welcoming people. They mm. weren't putting on a show. They were just genuinely good people. And um, and then what we did do 
is uh, in the series they mention an organization called Emmaus. Now, you may know about Emmaus. Yeah, uh, I've heard uh, of it. Yeah. Um, Emmaus is a big French charity um, that reaches out uh, a bit similarly to Faith Works, but uh, that tries to deal with disenfranchised poverty, food banks, stuff like this. And in a Lavelle, which is just around the corner from the chateau, just a little town near the chateau, they've got a big warehouse. They've taken over something like an old B&Q warehouse area. And it is a superstore charity shop. <laughs> and uh, um, Angel got uh, Angel Strawbridge got a lot of the furniture, a lot of the stuff that from she, there, yeah, yeah. That she so she believed in re- upcycling, recycling, and, and also giving that money to the charity. And it is amazing, and it was a real joy to go and see something of. Uh, the work with um, disenfranchised people in France because you see this gorgeous country but you you, you forget that it, in this building we've got their early watch it open queues of people there and this whole place which people donate to uh, and in France they do a lot of that donating you drive bars people uh, villages and you see washing machines outside somebody's front or or stuff <laughs> help yourself <laughs> um, yeah yeah it is that, 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 there is that sweetness about that which is quite good but uh, yeah so that was a, a good thing and then we ended up going to monet's garden which we always wanted to do mm. yeah so that's good but we, we 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 are at a church now we we're helping and supporting the ministry obviously not paid but I'm helping what I can at St Paul's Camford Heath with Matt uh, Williams and uh, the ministry which that church is uh, going through an amazing growth at the moment wonderful and uh, it's a joy to be there supporting and helping you know uh, speaking and doing other bits and pieces I've, I've, uh, I've run a, a course there which which I'd wrote and I'm, which I'd been working on for a while and Matt said come and try it here come and do it here. You know, really mm. Well, so you're not really on the rubbish tip. No, the no, pasture celibate no. did then. No, no, we're not. No, we're not. No. <laughs> now your next song, of course, I guess is the passion of your heart. Yeah. Really, vagabonds. Yes, yeah. This is because obviously reaching out and for yes. people to know the gospel yeah. has been really essentially the core of your yes. of your life, hasn't it? It has. I I'm struck by what the apostle Paul said in Colossians three, verse eleven, when he's he's telling the Colossians. And he's dealing with some really um, issues around uh, race, around um, the the neglected in society, etc. And he says this, Here there is no Gentile, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all. In, in all. And that whole thing about barbarian skivings he starts off with uh, the, the greco-roman word the gentiles then the, the jewish believers uh, uh, and then he goes barbarian skivians now barbarians were anybody that wasn't a part of the greco-roman world mm-hmm. they were the tribes that yeah. they fought and you know and then the skivians why did he mention one group of people one group of people because they were the most vilified and hated of all the barbarian tribes mm. They were mercenaries. They were, uh, they they uh, they they used to do metal work. They used to they were nomadic. They used to follow people, follow the, and they were they fought for different sides and whatever have you, and even Josephus called them wild dogs, mm. and in Greek plays they were the butt of jokes. And what Paul is saying here, even those people that everybody hates. If they follow and love Christ, they are savable and and they're a part of. And Vagabonds is just a song that says to the church, and what we did at Good Shepherd is uh, over a few years, we had Vagabonds as our theme song, Every Family Worship. It was the song we sang as we came, as we started our service. In other words, you come to the Good Shepherd, you come to this church, you are welcome. Whoever you are, you're welcome. And we allow, and then if we let people in or go, reach everybody, then we trust the Spirit of Christ that he will deal with the issues in people's lives, stuff that we perhaps don't want to know, stuff we don't want to deal with, you know, but allow folk to see and hear the gospel. Let's have a listen to it. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, I get passionate about it. No, you don't apologise. <laughs>
let's see a wonderful Stuart Tynan there with Vagabonds. Anyone, of course, can come. And Peter was very quick to remind me, of course, that some of the people who who we need to work with and who God loves are not perhaps the people that we would necessarily associate with. So we have to bring things together uh, and your last song is is one of glorious day. We started actually talking about the second coming. We did. I guess we're finishing uh, with a song which is also reflecting the the end of all things in, right. in glorious uh, uh, day. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but how would you want to pull things together? I I, I just think I, I I just think I'm very thankful for God for my life. I'm thankful for His calling upon it, and just to say to anyone that you know you can be involved in all sorts of ministry in the church or but you can still have problems and issues becoming a christian does not take that away we live in a fallen world and a broken world yeah absolutely and i guess that that whole part i mean gospel never changes does it i suppose that's the amazing thing that yeah. the same gospel that was preached by the disciples is the gospel of course yeah. that we preach today and it's one of of hope and yeah. and also one of everybody welcome yeah. and it's great to hear that i mean going forward uh, is there anything on your must-do list your bucket list although i don't really like that term because we don't want you um to uh, it's a couple of people have said to me you you should write your story down and mm. i've done a bit of writing and, and written some bits and pieces but um if people would find that interesting then maybe it's something i i i should consider because i've had a lot of experiences a lot of anecdotes but but also that coming back to ministering into the environment you were brought up in that would be probably a, certainly an interesting thing to explore and the impact upon a minister doing that yeah and of course here you are doing a spot of broadcasting as well of course you have done quite a lot of broadcasting with hope fm yes done, i've done bits in the past for you haven't i yeah you've done yeah. lots of thoughts for the days and other so bits on. and pieces yet yeah. so maybe you should do a bit more of that as well well who knows <laughs> bless you that's the trouble if you come anywhere near me you know what i'm like peter no you're as bad as colin bennett <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, look, thank you so much for loving the bits. Um, yeah. Very special yeah. gift. But uh, why this particular one, Glorious Day? Oh, it, 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 when I first heard it, strangely enough, I heard it in Moreland, Um and it was uh, at a ceremony just a few years ago, and just it blew me away. It was the first time I heard it, and I thought, we got to sing this song. Uh, I love this song because it's just triumphant about. Uh, for those that love Christ, they're going to be raised, and and uh, it's just wonderful, it, and it does fit in what we're talking about that whole thing about Christ coming back as well. And I suppose that really with, with so much of your life being engaged with evangelism and sharing yeah. the, that that gospel message, that yeah. in a way it's the fulfilment of all that you have preached and taught and so on. And of course, which still very much is your passion. Yes, I mean it's not as if you're. You've shuttled off somewhere. No. You're still a passionate man. It's good to hear that what you're doing, uh, yes, you know, yes. within the church. Yeah. yeah but yeah. But it's, un- it's understanding. It's sort of that whole thing, know thyself, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and, and I guess it's, that that can be a scary thing, facing up truly to the way yeah. uh, that, that we are. But actually, sometimes, you know, it's the, what we perceive the negative things in our lives, yeah. which opens the doors to the positive. So yes. if you're listening to the program this morning and maybe you're going through your own challenges, <coughs> well, listen, don't be discouraged because God hasn't given up on you yet and he will bring you through maybe some things on God's agenda that perhaps aren't on ours at the moment.